You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. But today we are ending the, this three-part series called Family Matters. And we have been highlighting, if you've been with us, the life of these three family members that Jesus met. And each of these encounters have had a significant life lesson, a significant, something significant happened. And first week we talked about Martha. Uh, last week we talked about Lazarus. And today we're going to talk about Mary. So I've titled the message, There's Something About Mary. Because there's something about Mary that... Uh, really pops in this scripture. But before we get to it, I just want to read a passage found in John 4, uh, verse 13, 14, and then we're going to skip to verse 23. And that is Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman saying this. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 23, the hour is coming and now and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now from the beginning uh, of this church plant, from the time we started this church plant about two and a half years ago, we've had a few people who have come and become part of this community uh, made observations, specific observations about uh, the content of our, our Sundays. And a couple of the, the observations were, you guys talk a lot about God. And another one was, you refer a lot to the Bible. And when I hear observations like that, I, it fires me up. As a pastor, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. Because I realize that this community that is growing here is a community of people from all walks of life. And most of you did not have a background, a church background, or an actual relationship or a, a, a long-standing uh, connection to a local church. Some of us have, but most of us here have not. Or even maybe you grew up in a church and, and you got disconnected because it really didn't mean much to you. But now you're here. And when, we, when I hear comments like that, I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. This is great because we are able to connect to people who can hear the word church, can be invited to a setting like this, but have no expectation of what they're going to hear there about the content and what's going to be said or spoken. But there's a specific reason why we focus on the scriptures. There's a specific reason why we mention God so much here. And it's not just because this is a nice leather-bound book that we've been able to uh, put together for what about... 1,600 years now that this has existed in this format. Uh, it's not just about the words that are on the white paper, the black letters on the white paper. It's about the stories coming alive in our hearts, impacting people from all walks of life and changing their situation. These words, when they come alive, when they produce the fruit that they're meant to produce, uh, they can be life-changing. And we've seen it again and again and again. Not only in the accounts that are found in here, but we've seen it since the Jesus movement began. 
the transformation in people's lives, the transformation in people's hearts has happened from the beginning. So we believe that there's nothing trivial about the scriptures. We believe here in this church that there is life and there is lessons and there are many things that we can explore on those, from the, the, those words into our lives. So that's why we encourage you to read it so you can live it out, so you can practice it. And if you agree and believe in it, if you're a Jesus follower, we, we encourage you the more to read it and, and, and leave it out. My, but if you're not a believer, if you don't believe in the Bible, we also encourage you to read it. Because you might say, I don't believe in it, but you know nothing about it. So how do you know you don't believe when you know nothing about what you say you don't believe in? Just think about that for a little bit. So if you don't believe in it, we encourage you to read and learn. So you, at least you know what you're criticizing, right? And uh, in the process, we hope that you will see and sense the transformation. Now, the other reason why we believe in these lessons and we look at stories like Lazarus's and Martha's and, and Mary's, and as we're going to see today, or even the Samaritan woman, is because these stories happened in a specific context. See, when Jesus came, he established the church in really three main uh, uh, environments. Now, Jesus didn't only, he practiced this, he didn't only uh, spend time by himself praying. He didn't only go out into the crowds and minister to them and gave of his goodness and love. And, but he spent time in these specific small settings, small groups where discussions were had, where life was shared, where they could sit around a table and have meals and spend time together, getting to know each other. That's why we encourage so much that you become a part of a connect group. And our summer groups are ending this week. Most of them are going to have their last meeting uh, this coming week. But come September, in a month or so, we're going to start a brand new season of Connect Groups in the fall. And I just want to encourage you to make a decision to be a part of it. Because if you have been living this life, and this is a pastoral message, you know, this is a, bit, a little bit of a message, but a different message. But if you've been living this life without this element of community, you're going to see that this experience will be lacking. Even if you're not a church person and you're here today and you've been invited by somebody. And maybe you tried God. Maybe you, a long time ago you were part of services and you, know, you even prayed by yourself. But you felt like there was something missing. And this is the element that is probably missing uh, or was probably missing. The reason why we encourage you to get connected into these small settings is not just for the social benefit, even though it is beneficial and it's good in a season like this right now where, you know, everybody's busy and, and going uh, hard at work and whatever you have to do. It's nice to just break away and be in a setting where you don't have to think about those things. But the powerful thing is that when you sit together with other people who come from different walks of life, who have different perspectives, but you come on the common ground of trying to discover the truth that has been taught, that has been told, the truth that was catapulted or, or started with the ministry of Jesus, and you wrestle with it, and you talk to other people about it, and you challenge it, and you push back on it, something powerful happens. And that's not our idea. This is not an original idea from Connect Community. This is a 2,000-plus-old idea that started with Jesus. You know, Jesus did this. He started this. This is how the church 
began. And that's how Jesus lived his ministry. Not only connecting with God, not only living out his purpose, but he connected to others as well. And the interesting thing about this specific family that we have talked about, the interesting thing about this series that we are addressing is that every single element or every single lesson that we learn happened in that setting or because of that setting. So our heart for you is for you to understand that, you know, even though you, you are encouraged to spend time with God, which is important. You know, if you pray by yourself and you pray for yourself and you give your heart to God, that's important. Do that. If you don't do that, we encourage you to do it, you know, as often as you can. Even though you might go out into the world and minister to the crowds like Jesus did, maybe you don't have, like him, 5,000 people coming to you every week hoping to hear from you. But you go out into the grocery store and you are generous to people. You go out in traffic and, you know, you, you try to be kind, most of us. You, you see a family member who's in need, you extend generosity. You give when you can. And you, you try to live with love and hope. And so that's our version of ministering to the crowds. But what happens is that's just us pouring out. That's just uh, us giving and, and, and just displaying this life in us. But there is a third element that is very necessary in this type of life, which is the element of exchange, of experiencing this with others. That's why we value our Sundays so much, because it's the one time a week that we can come together, and we can sing together, and we can give God the honor together, and we can give Him our worries together, and we can be here to receive and hear from God, and also have a time of community, see each other. And that's why we encourage, again, connect groups. And you're going to be hearing about connect groups uh, a little bit more these coming weeks. But coming to this family now, you know, this, this setup, this connect group that Jesus had in Bethany. Might be a stretch to say that, but let's, let's put the brand there, right? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's push the idea. If Jesus had a website, I just picture like a Bethany connect group right there. And yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's why he didn't have a website. <laughs> but... Uh, we mentioned uh, Jesus met Martha, and he met Mary. And it wasn't because he came to their city to do a big tent revival. He came to their house. He entered their living room. He sat down in their living room, and he had discussions with them. He talked to them. He shared life with them. And it was in that environment, in that setting, that Jesus was able to look at Martha in that type of community that he was able to look at Martha and say, Hey, Martha, you're worrying about many things. You should focus on one. It wasn't because of that setting that Jesus heard that his friend Lazarus was ill and about to die. He wasn't just cruising through town, and which happened. It happened in his ministry many times. But he wasn't just passing by and heard of a man who was about to die. No. Somebody sent word and said, Jesus, the one you love, your friend, is ill and is about to die. And Jesus left everything, dropped everything, and went to rescue his friend and brought him back from the dead. That's how much he loved him. But it happened because he was in this setting. He was uh, living 
in a setting like that. That's because Jesus, in his ministry, and this is a lesson for us to learn, he created environments. He created these moments and these environments where it was safe for people to question and to argue. We have a lot of accounts in the scripture where disciples come to Jesus and they, they push back on what he taught. And he, they ask questions. And they go like, well, really, what does this really mean? Like, well, if, if that's the way to live, then it's better not to do that at all. Or they had freedom to, to question, to, to push back, to wrestle with what's being taught. And even more than that, going further than that, Jesus created safe environments for people to disagree with him. Which in and of itself, it's a lesson for us to learn, isn't it? That by itself is a message. You know, creating safe environments for people to disagree with you. If you're a parent in the room, that's a valuable lesson for parenthood. To create in your home safe environments for your kids to disagree with you. Where they don't think that if they disagree with you, you know, they're going to get kicked out or they're going to get chopped. If you're a leader, a manager in a company, and you have people working under you, that's a powerful lesson in leadership to create safe environments where those working under you have the ability and the opportunity to disagree with you. You know, and, 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 but that's not my message today. That's just a freebie for you. The point is that Jesus, he created these environments where people could be themselves. They could be free. They were free to just be themselves without fear of retaliation, without fear of pressure from religion and condemnation. They could be themselves and he carried them through the process of learning and growing and becoming. And we find this group of, of this family right here inserted in that setting, living with Jesus in that Setting And the relationship that Jesus develops with Martha, with, Laz with Lazarus, and with Mary becomes this powerful, powerful bond that all four gospel writers mention. See, Mary is the only person in this family that is mentioned in all four gospels. And the last time Jesus meets with them that has been recorded is, was recorded in three of the four gospels. In Mark and Matthew, she's not mentioned by name, but the event is there. And in, in John, she is mentioned by name. But there's something special, something powerful about what Mary did, about what Mary expressed and what Mary represents in the scripture for you and I here today, even in 2017. Now, let me set the scene for you of this last encounter that Jesus had with his family that was recorded in Scripture because there was some turmoil around. And if you were here last week, we mentioned it lightly, but Jesus was at odds with the religious leaders. This was six days before the Passover, and we know that Jesus died in the weekend of the Passover, but he, he knew he, he, he was close to the end. Jesus knew that he was coming close to his end. Because the religious leaders were seeking for a reason to get him, to catch him. And he was at odds with them. So when, when uh, Lazarus died, that event, that event catapulted a reaction from these religious leaders. Now when you hear the term religious leaders today here... You might think of a pastor or a worship leader. You might think of a rabbi or somebody who is 
part of a religion and they maybe they teach or they you know they have religious uh, uh, um, uh, religious occupation but it's important for us to know so we can understand the context that the religious leaders in Jesus's day they had political power because in Israel uh, in those days Israel was under the umbrella of the Roman rule and Rome observed them quite closely, but, but the empire gave, in, gave them some autonomy for them to govern themselves. And the second thing we need to keep in mind is that the nation of Israel was formed and began not because of their ethnicity, not because of their geographic location. You know, nowadays, if you're born in a certain place in the planet, whatever country you're born in, that's your nationality. But the nation of Israel started, it, was, it began with the Torah, with the law of God. So when you hear religious leaders, when you hear magistrates in scriptures, when you hear Pharisees, these people had political power because the law was the actual law of the land. The religious law was the law of the land. And this setup that they had with the Roman Empire was very good for the religious leaders. It was, it was a good setup for them. They didn't want to lose their standing with the Roman Empire. But they knew also that this was a fragile setup. It was a very fragile situation because the Romans didn't deal kindly with whiffs of revolt, with any, any rumor of rebellion. If you know history, you know that they were very stern in keeping the empire. And so these religious leaders knew that. And here is Jesus gathering crowds, talking about the kingdom of God. That word kingdom is, was, was a threat to the religious leaders. Talking about the kingdom from heaven coming to earth, being at hand. So they didn't, they didn't take that lightly. And when Jesus brought Lazarus back to life from the dead, Scripture says that there were two groups of people that witnessed it. One group of people witnessed it and believed in him, meaning they decided to follow him. They joined his cause. But there was a second group of people who went to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, and told on Jesus. Basically, they went to the religious leaders and said, he's at it again, and he's going to get us all in trouble. And so here's where we pick up in the Scriptures John chapter 11, verses 48 through 50, and then we're going to skip to verse 53. If we let him go, these are the Pharisees talking among themselves, the, the religious leaders. If we let him go, like, if you let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Verse 53. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. And because of that, because of that, Jesus did not walk in public anymore. In fact, it says that he went to live near the wilderness in a, in a region away from that place. Well... The Passover was approaching, and the religious leaders knew that Jesus never missed a party. He never missed their feasts. He never missed the, the Jewish established feasts. So they were expecting him to come. And they sent out a word 
they told all the Jewish people, if you know where he is, you need to report it. You need to let us know because we want to arrest him. We need to arrest him, and this is our opportunity. He will be amongst us, and we need to catch him. And so Jesus, he knew that this was his last, his last uh, trip to Jerusalem from the wilderness. And when he goes into Jerusalem, he picks a very specific place for him to be a part of. And here we pick up again John 12, next chapter, verses 1 through 8. That's when Mary enters the scene one last time. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment and made, made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charged of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Well, there's a lot in this passage, and the reason why I have given you this context of Jesus' ministry and the climate of that day is because what Jesus was able to develop, what Jesus brought together in, through his ministry, actually caused a clear separation between those who believed in him and followed him and religious people. Now notice, this is these both group of people, they believed in God. They both were trying in their own way to devote themselves to God. But there's these two groups of people here. The religious leaders and their followers and Jesus and his followers. Now you see a completely different attitude coming out of these two groups of people. One is engulfed in fear, feeling threatened, trying to self-preserve, trying to preserve what they have built using the Torah for their own benefit. And the other group is setting up a feast, is honoring Jesus, is giving him their devotion because of what he's done. Jesus has a safe place to go to in Bethany because of what he did to them. Now we live, I believe we live in this tension. You and I here, we live in this tension. Because in our hearts, you know, we, we live between these two worlds. It is easy for us to go either way when we are in, involved in, in some type of God or church or whatever you want to label it, activity. You know, in fact, for some of you, you have seen this play out. You have seen people who acted like religious leaders, the religious leaders, trying to condemn and hunt down and get those who are not acting like they want them to act. And you have seen people who are generous and kind and are great hosts, and they are giving. You know, you have seen people who hold signs saying that, you know, God doesn't like you very much. And you have seen people who will spend every single day of their vacation days and every single dollar from their own pocket to go out into a secluded area in a different country and 
um, give him water or food or do something good for people that they'd never met. And for some of you, that's the reason why you probably didn't get involved in church. If you're not a church person, that might be a main reason why you really didn't want to be involved in anything like that. Because if you're going to be in, a, in an environment where you can get good people and bad people, people that are for me, people who are against me, might as well do life by myself and try to be good by myself. Because I don't want to get involved in all that. And for us, you know, this, this, this still plays out here today because, and here's where Mary's beautiful heart comes to play. You can live this out for self-preservation, like the Pharisees, without even noticing. Trying to find reasons and ways to justify your own life. Or you can surrender like Mary did and just receive what Jesus has and just be transformed by it and react in a way that is conducive or it's according. You know, and in this passage, in this specific instance, you know, the product of somebody who walked with Jesus, who was in a room, in a setting where they could discuss, they was in the, in the safety of Jesus' love and embrace and, and his kindness, the, the result of that, the, the heart that developed in Mary was the result of that. Now, here's something that we need to know about the scriptures. You know, and this is me circling back to the beginning of the message. The scriptures are not meant for us to hide behind or to preserve ourselves or to preserve our way of life or our thinking. The moment we do that, we are twisting you know, its purpose. This, the, actually, the scriptures in a life with God will do something that is not always pleasing because it will expose certain areas in our, in our lives. It will expose parts of us that we need to address, that we need to, you know, change in. And some of you, you've experienced that. You have heard or read or received something that called you up higher. And at the beginning, it was confronting. It wasn't something that, that it was entirely pleasing. There was a little bit of it. It was like, ah, that kind of hurts. But it's good. And it's needed. And it's bringing me up high. If you've ever experienced that, you know, you, you have experienced the true kind of transformation that the scriptures are meant to cause. To push us higher. To expose areas in us where we can come up higher. Now, you know, in, G, in, Mary's, in Mary's life, this was, she, she represents the ultimate expression of someone who was changed and transformed and moved by Jesus. You got to notice that in that passage, there are a few things that we can address as far as Mary's worship for Jesus. For example, she brought to Jesus that bottle of perfume, which the Bible talks there that's worth 300 denarii. A denarii was a day uh, worth of labor. It was you, a laborer, a regular laborer would get one denarii a day. So actually I did the math. If you take one day off a week and you work six days a week, it's almost a year. It's about 50 weeks worth of, of income for you to buy that specific bottle of ointment. And Mary thought 
It was her relationship with Jesus, the transformation that Jesus caused in her life. The type of life that she received through a relationship with Jesus was worth that kind of offering. See, somebody who could afford that ointment, somebody who had the cash to buy that kind of fragrance, would have provided a servant, and that would have been nice, to wash the, the feet of, of their guest, of the person coming into their house. They would have provided them with water and a towel, and that guest would have felt honored, but not Mary. Mary goes a step further. She said, no, 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 no. I am your servant, and I am coming here, and I will wash your feet, not with water, but with the most expensive thing I could have bought. Why? Because I'm putting you above all of my possessions. I'm putting you above everything that I own and have. You are worth this. And I'm not going to dry your feet with a towel. I'm going to dry your feet with my hair, which represents you know, the, her beauty, her dignity, the, the, the part of her that, that uh, um, gave her value. She was offering him her everything. And this is a powerful powerful expression in every single instance that Mary is mentioned in scripture she is mentioned in the context of devotion and worship to God now I wonder what got her there I wonder what caused Mary to get to that place of devotion to God and what caused the, the people who listened to the same stories who witnessed the same events they witnessed Lazarus coming up from the grave. They witnessed all the miracles that Jesus did. And they went the other way to hunt him down. Here's what I believe. We can live easily. We can drift to either of these two realities. You know, we can chase Jesus out of our lives if we try to preserve it. We can chase the principles and the life that Jesus wants to offer us if all we're trying to do is hold on to what we have because we see it to be fragile. Because we see it to be so tender that we need to protect it. Or we can do like Mary and let it all out. And let it go. And give it to God and trust that he is for us. So my challenge, the, the thing that is that, that, that this scripture and this passage and this event brings to us here is that we can trust Jesus with our everything. We can come to that place where we can offer him our everything. Now, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what kind of life you've had. But here we find someone who had gone through a few things in life. The two things that we know for sure is that her sister had a pretty hard time dealing with stress and anxiety. And Mary had to deal with that, to Martha's, uh, with Martha's anxiety and the way that she went about life, just worrying about everything. And Jesus changed that. Jesus restored her sister. And now Martha, Martha's not worried anymore. She's still serving. She's still doing what she was doing, but she's not worried anymore. Not only that, her brother, Lazarus, died. He was dead. He was sick and dead and in a tomb. And Jesus brought him back to life. 
So, uh, you know, everything that she had, some, some scholars believe that this was a family who had money. They had wealth because of the kind of tomb that Lazarus was, was buried in, because of the kind of house that they hosted Jesus in, because of the perfume. You know, this isn't, some scholars believe that they were not in financial uh, need. But life came at them with situations that they could not control. And Jesus changed that for the better because of community, because of their involvement together with him. And my encouragement to you today is that we may look at Mary as an inspiration, as a model to just when life gets hard, when things come at us, we're willing to surrender and to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him and to forward, uh, uh, move forward in our lives with that kind of heart. And the second thing is this. Some of you here, you don't really need anything. Things are good. The bills are paid. You know, maybe you had a tough situation. Maybe you had a tough go a few years ago, a few months ago. But now things are okay. And you're wondering, you know, what do I do? What kind of purpose am I going to have for my life? Is this still something that I need? Coming to church or being connected to people and God and all that. How do I live this out? And Mary, Mary shows us, Mary shows us that gratitude and worship and giving God our best is the way to go, is the way to unity with God. Do you receive it this morning?